Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Pod Diva. Hello and welcome to Pod Diva. My name is Rachel Shelley. And I'm Victoria Broom. And we are your hosts on this podcast, this brand new, sparkling, fancy podcast for Diva. That's right. This is the very first episode of Pod Diva. It's very exciting. A weekly podcast that goes hand in hand with Diva Magazine, the world's leading brand for LGBTQI plus women and non-binary people. <laughs> That's a mouthful. It is. I did that one really fast. We want you all to know that you are all part of the Diva rainbow. Family. Some of you may be picturing me as Helena Peabody on a certain TV show in a power suit and high heels. Are you wearing that now? Of course. I am fully made up. I am in Good. full hair and makeup. And What would people be picturing me in? What would they be picturing me in? Oh, with a pint and pork scratchings from EastEnders. There we go. Oh, the glamour. <laughs> the glamour of the thespian life. So what's interesting is I used to call myself a sapphic thespian ah. yeah so lesbian actor which i love the word sapphic i think it's just an amazing word we need to get that back i love it hashtag sapphic <laughs> this first episode of pod diva we're calling the diva debrief and it goes hand in hand with diva magazine that comes out every month we will be peeping behind the curtain to discover the magic that goes into the making of diva magazine yeah We'll be getting between the sheets, as it were, of your favourite monthly publication. And today, we'll be getting up close and personal with Diva's fabulous cover star, Jack Monroe. We'll also be travelling all the way to Alicante to hear one of our listeners' fabulous LGBTQI plus experience. And I'll be asking the super sprightly stand-up Sophie Duca to tell me more about the comedy industry. I love Sophie. Rachel and I plan on being here every month just a few days after the Diva magazine is issued, so tune in. But don't worry, you can still get your fix of weekly Diva delights as Pod Diva will be coming at you every seven days. Ooh. So next week, we have Diva Dialogue, which is curated by Diva magazine editor Roxy Bordion and staff writer Nick. And next week, we have an in-depth interview with Jack Monroe. The week after that, I'm back with the awesome Shah Bailey, who I'm sure you all know already, for Deeper Diva, where we really dig down into the hottest LGBTQI issues. We'll be popping on Twitter, having a look what's going on there and talking about it. And the week after that, we have a hilarious interview with Victoria Scott, the amazing, the one and only from RuPaul Drag Race. I'm a big drag queen by heart, I think. So without any more shilly-shallying, let's get over Wait, whoa, 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 to... whoa, 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 whoa. What is shilly-shallying? What is that word? What did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> shilly-shallying. What is that word? Shilly-shallying is where... <laughs> That's where you 
where you mess about. You're not really doing anything. But... Oh, speak for yourself, Rachel. Not really doing anything. <laughs> Thanks ever so much. <laughs> I think it comes from Mary Poppins. Do you mean chatting? Yeah. Like, we'll stop chatting. It's like, All right. Spit spot. Right. Let's move on. <laughs> right. <laughs> for everyone else out there, she means chatting. So, without any more shilly shallying, let's go over to Alicante in Spain. Hola, buenos dias. My name is Krisha Kay, and today, for Divas Beyond Borders feature, I am bringing you along with me for a day out in my hometown, Alicante. We are sitting on the southeast coast of Spain in what was historically a port town, but has, over time, become a bustling beachside city. Today we're going to be walking from my little village and taking a bus into the heart of the city. Along the way, we'll pass a few people and places who made life for me as a queer teenager some 15 years ago much easier than I ever imagined it could be. So I'm just grabbing my keys and we're going to be heading out of the front door. Interestingly, in Spain, the country's relationship with queerness and LGBT plus rights has fluctuated throughout history. I remember being told by one of my openly gay history and geography teachers at school that even in the early 1800s, same-sex intercourse was legalized here. So the first street are typically sleepy and quaint. Most of the houses are painted white and there's this real oozing scent of jasmine that is almost creating the path for our journey today. The village we are in, albeit on the coast, is quite high up on a sea-facing cliff. So if we just stop to take in the view right now, we can see blue skies above infinite waves ahead it's the whole mediterranean right there or at least what seems like it white walls around us and bits of greenery there's leaves bushes palm trees framing every angle that we can see the surroundings in this village actually remind me of a poet everyone in spain knows him his name was federico garcia Lorca. He was sadly executed in the 1930s by the nationalist forces under the regime of the dictator General Francisco Franco. These facts that every Spanish person knows, they're taught to us through culture, they're taught to us through school curriculums, and it does make me realize how well LGBT awareness is incorporated into Spanish life. I thought I could give you a snippet of a Lorca poem. Here it goes. Verde, que te quiero verde. Green, how I want you green. Verde viento, verde ramas. Green wind, green branches. El barco, sobre la mar. The ship, out on the sea. Y el caballo, en la montaña. And the horse, on the mountain. I'm pretty sure there are going to be better recordings and translations of Lorca poems out there, but I really do recommend you explore his work if you're looking for some queer Spanish poetry. En route to the bus stop, we're actually passing by my village's first gay bar. Now, we're still a fair way away from the city, so this type of open-mindedness and inclusivity and safe space is an absolute dream come true 
for many people who don't often get to the more modern areas of the region. Let's pop in, let's have a drink, and uh, let's see if we can chat to a few people. My name is Veronica, I'm 28 years old. I'm an architect, um, and I'm actually visiting friends around the area, so we decided to explore the bars and have a drink and enjoy life. Actually, I think Spain is quite open and very friendly. I've already been to Madrid and Barcelona. My experience has been very positive. I know I can't speak for everyone, but so far I've never um, had anything negative. It's always been very positive and very um, open-minded. Hi, I'm Magdalena. I'm 33. I live in Italy. I think it's very, very important to have spaces. When you have that space, you really discover a lot of new things about yourself. You are much more confident and to a certain extent also like build your future because you make those friendships. It's so nice. We all know that the smaller city, town or villages, the more challenging it is to feel good about themselves. Having lived in a number of capital cities across the world, I know how powerful, safe and inclusive spaces can be, particularly to the act of socializing. But it's been so wonderful to hear more about that when related to my hometown and the country that I call home. For the last part of our taste of queer life in Spain, we're going to be hopping onto the bus and heading for the city. As a young teenager, I used to look forward to my city weekends from age 15, 16 years old. Many queer community members head to Alicante in order to really feel that sense of liberation and pride. So this bus is a coastal band. I love this journey, not only because it's scenic and it's got great views, but because it reminds me of how open and inclusive the beach is. Actually, as I've been talking right now, I've seen three people with their beach towels representing the queer community. My favorite one being a whole towel with just the pride flag in its design, but I know it will be so powerful for so many young queer community members. And we've arrived in the city and there's a genuine smile on my face. I have such positive memories of Alicante as a queer, safe city. I remember coming shopping on Saturday mornings and seeing women holding hands smooching, kissing, just being as usual and as romantic as any other couple. I remember just this Christmas sharing a kiss with my girlfriend outside of the castle that I'm looking at right now. As we kissed, two teenagers walked by us, both seemingly male. They got closer. In any other place, I could have felt scared or intimidated, but in Spain, me and my girlfriend, we just kept on kissing. And as the boys walked by, they stopped and they said, Feliz Año Nuevo, Happy New Year, and continued walking. There wasn't any sarcasm in their voice, just an honest wish for two happy strangers that they had never met and weren't judging in any way. That moment really stuck with me. 
I'm going to spend the rest of my day walking under palm trees and passing by boats, knowing that I could be one of many queer community members here, just enjoying a day out in their hometown. So that was Krisha Gandhi and her report from Alicante in Spain, which I just thought was beautiful. The fact that she gave us some Lorca, some poetry. Beautiful. I mean, we totally went on a journey as well. Like, I felt that I was there at her door, seeing the colour of the houses. I love Spain. And for, in my experience, um, what she said about Spain being a very kind of queer, open, queer-friendly place, I agree, because I lived in Spain for a while. I lived in Madrid. Oh, did you? I did, yeah. I did a play. I was working on a play out there. I mean, the whole city is super queer-friendly anyway. You never felt uncomfortable. You used to go out. And, you know, I mean, I didn't come home until, like, six in the morning. <laughs> I loved uh, Krisha's report because it really did give that authentic sense of how queer, open and friendly they are. That's my personal experience of Spain, though. And we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear your LGBTQI plus experience wherever you are in the world. So we want your authentic truth self on our, on our radio. We want to make this diva, Team Diva, be international and so that you really feel part of the family. Why not email us at editorial at divamag.co.uk. So from the, the magazine, one of the articles that stood out for me, Rachel, dating for the over 50s. A lot of queer, older women are feeling very kind of invisible. You know, for me, as someone in their mid to late 30s dating, bloody terrify me. I mean, there's all these apps, the swiping stuff. My partner, who I'm with, I met because she was sat next to me at a dinner, right? (laughs) You know, that we were invited to when we did Radio Diva. Old-fashioned way. Old-fashioned way. I do think that Diva had something to do with it by putting us next to each other. Fairy Diva Mother was there. Fairy Diva Mother. That's it. Can I ask you, I'm going to ask you, we're going to get personal, Rachel Shelley. How do you feel about that, Rachel? Oh, no, personal stuff. <laughs> right, if you were, right, you're single tomorrow. <laughs> Be Calm down, diva listeners, calm down. So you're single tomorrow. <laughs> How yeah. would you date? Ooh. How would you date? Frightening. Are you trying to imply that I'm over 50, Victoria? There is nothing wrong with being over 50. <laughs> There's nothing of wrong. Of course I'm over 50. Yeah. I know nothing wrong with it. But sod it. Let's talk about a woman's age. We should absolutely talk about it. Well, absolutely. I'm 52, I think. And you know what? These days I'm now like, good for me. I made it this far. I'm 52. That's how it, when you get to this age, that's how you start feeling. But back to dating, Rachel Shelley. So dating. Sorry, yes. <laughs> back to dating, comma, Rachel Shelley, or back to dating, Rachel both. Shelley. Let's do both. <laughs> so if you're right, you're single tomorrow. Okay. What would you do? I have no idea because I have never been on one of those apps. I'd have to rely on friends. I don't know. It's very difficult. And reading that article, they have, there's a very funny line in there about, about knitting kittens. It occurred to me that I've knitted lots of mittens in my time, but I've never knitted kittens. Kn- knitting kittens, knitting, Knit, mittens. knitting mittens. Knitting mittens, knitting kittens. Knitting mittens, knitting kittens. I don't think there's anything wrong with knitting. I find it quite therapeutic. Yeah, me too. But one of the really interesting points, what's very new in the LGBTQI plus world is how people are identifying. And it's terrifying for people that came out in the 80s, that were dating in the 80s, that then were in long-term relationships to then have not being really sure how to approach, who to approach, what to do. She was saying that it was very much kind of femme, butch, 
the butch always approached the femme. I didn't even think about that. Of course, that's a, a yeah. generational thing. And I loved that they talked about it so openly, so honestly. The basic landscape has changed so radically since maybe I was in my 20s, but it becomes a minefield, an absolute yeah. minefield. And oof. It would scare me. But let's all just be friendly. Let's all just be nice to each other. That's the thing, isn't it? And remember, the diva community on Facebook is there for you to meet people in a very safe friendly environment yeah where just people with similar experiences and just kind of chat i think the casual nature of physical relationships is very different now right i think it is very different from when i was in my 20s that's 30 years ago completely different generation no labels no bars no boundaries just you know it's each to their own really one of the things in diva magazine that i think is really interesting is talking about bisexuality polyamory there's a whole article about Leisha Haley who plays Alice in the, the L word, L yeah. word and how her character Do you know of the L word Rachel do you know of that I've I've watched a few episodes yeah. yeah 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 I've watched a few episodes Alice plays a bi character and there's an article in Diva if you'd like to explore it that talks about how that shift her bisexuality was left behind for a little while and now in generation Q it's being explored a bit further. Sophie Duker, who is an amazing comedian. I love her. She's done Eight Out of Ten Cats and Jonathan Ross. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's, she's lols. She's really funny. She really is. And I saw her live in the summer somewhere. And she was just, she's just brilliant. And she's polyamorous. And she is bisexual. And she owns it. I just find her so interesting, which is why I interviewed her just recently for Pod Diva. Oh, yes, let's listen. Four years ago, she didn't even really have a full-time career in comedy and now she's winning awards and she's amazing. So let's have a listen to her, Sophie Duca. Pod Diva. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, <laughs> I'm a comedian. My name is Sophie Duker. I do comedy. I refer to myself as a triple threat minority, which I recently updated to like a, a triathlete in the Oppression Olympics. Like early in my career, I was like, this is who I am. Yeah, love me. I didn't want to present myself as any one thing because I'm not any one thing. And there are key intersections in my identity, being queer, being a black woman, that really inform who I am and also aren't the kinds of identity that you see on stage or on screen all that often. I am these things and this is how I am queer and this is how I am black and this is how I am a young woman in the world today. And so triple threat minority, my shorthand for being like, here's some stuff. Now let's move on and find out how we're going to get along. Do you feel like it's hindered you being a triple threat minority? I think prejudice is inherent in most industries. As performers and writers, we're playing games of like shared language and shared knowledge and assumptions. Having a handle on people's preconceptions about you is as important when you're walking into the green room as when you're walking into the stage or walking in front of the camera. And a lot of the people who hold the power in those spaces have quite patriarchal, traditional, set-in-their-ways views. And comedy has been competitive and classist in lots of ways that haven't completely died out. So I think it would be impossible for any kind of comedian to not encounter some prejudice wherever they fall on the spectrum of class or gender or queerness. But as someone who is visibly different and, I guess, presents occasionally as queer obviously is visibly black and is a woman for some people your presence in those spaces is either a shock or a challenge we should be able to work in spaces which just accept that people are on a diverse spectrum and any kind of person can do or write or see or watch comedy they aren't thrown by having a bunch of queer women sitting in the front row because all of their material is misogynistic when did it first occur to you? When did it, that first thought go into your head? I think I want to be a comedian. I mean, I started doing comedy as an improvised comedy when I was at university. But that involved going to a weird meeting room in one of the Oxford colleges with lots of uh, straight white boys and trying to be very clever and funny, but not as yourself, like making up all these people. But the thought of getting on stage by myself, talking about my life or opinions or just kind of putting forth my own voice... Uh, is not something that I thought I wanted to do. I thought I was definitely too neurotic to be a comedian. And so I was just like, yeah, I like being silly, but I didn't think I actually wanted to be the person alone on stage talking. I think I've started to talk more about my own personal life on stage. I don't think I'm one of those confessional comedians that's like, here's everything about me. Even though I think some comedians are like that and they're brilliant. At the start, a lot of people wanted to tell me you're a political comedian or you should talk about race in this kind of way. My presence on stage is inherently political, which is something that I just have to deal with. But the stuff I talk about is the stuff that I care about. So that might be something as big as what's going on in the world, or it might be how I feel about my queerness or stupid bits of 90s trivia. But I think I really care about all the stuff I speak about now. And that's what's the difference between me performing now and when I started out. 
Now, I know you just won 2021 Funny Women Best Comedy Writer, and that was voted by producers and executives, it says, across the industry. There's so much in comedy that you can do that isn't necessarily being the dickhead with a microphone. Comedy writing, it's really a really powerful way to like inform different worlds and bring your perspective to the kind of stuff that you love consuming. Writing for institutions that might kind of be a bit dusty and finding a way to make them relevant and exciting for all kinds of people is really cool. I've written for Frankie Boyle's New World Order, BAFTAs, 8 Out of 10 Cats, comedians like Catherine Ryan, Netflix shows, Pamela, The Now Show. And sometimes it is very tiring to write like 50 jokes about the T-shirt. <laughs> it's like really fun. It's like a really fun mental game. When I interviewed you last time, Sophie, you had a temping job in an office somewhere in the central London. No. I remember calling you and you had to escape. And then we did a recording in an alleyway. Oh my. But you were great. You were like, yes, I'm going to come and do it. And you were positive and full of energy. (laughs) And then you bounced back upstairs to do whatever temping job you were doing. I mean, that's such a transition. This is only three years later. (laughs) Tell our Pod Diva listeners how that works so now I can pretty much say that I'm a comedian and that is my only work a few years ago the last time you interviewed me that was not my only job up until pretty much the year before the pandemic I had some kind of other work going on at the same time as I was doing comedy purely because comedy isn't immediately profitable for anyone I come from a background which prioritizes security and security that comes through money. So both my parents are immigrants. I'm second generation. Comedy to me felt very joyful. Comedy felt like play. Writing is something that I've always been passionate about, but the world didn't necessarily point me to that as being something which had security. So I was like, I've always got to be able to work and then I can do this on the side. I've done a lot of jobs while I've done comedy. I've done, (laughs) I've worked in an office. I've worked as a receptionist. I've worked as a waitress. I've worked in a removals company, which is a bad idea because I do not have upper body strength. How I got to where I am today, a combination of working really hard, both at my actual job, but also at my comedy, went to the festivals and I did the gigs and I wrote the material and I kept doing it, even though a lot of the time it would have been nicer to just have a Saturday night with my friends. One of the things I love to do in comedy is putting on my own shows. I remember doing my first big preview of Diet Woke at the Brighton Fringe. Somehow a group of like queer people found me, sold out the show and also the Telegraph came and I got four stars from the Telegraph before I'd even tried to do a debut show. So that was really nice. A show that I now still do is called Wacky Racists, which is a very stupid, anarchic show that platforms comedians of colour, but also just aims for better representation across the board. So we have POC, we have allies, it's super brown, it's super queer, it's super fun, everyone is welcome, except for actual racists. Those nights go on in London, but hopefully Wacky Racists will be in a town near you soon. I had a great coming out story. I decided to come out to my mum when she came to a preview of Venus, which was my first show. 
And in it, I talk a lot about my identity. I say that I'm pansexual. I talk about sleeping with women. I thought instead of having a sit down conversation with my mum, I would just make her sit in an audience and watch me say all that stuff. So I, so basically she couldn't interrupt. Uh, it was actually Pride weekend as well, the weekend that I did that. I was really nervous. My partner at the time had to make sure my mum stayed in her seat because around the time when I first was like, oh, I'm queer on stage, she decided she'd get up and get a cocktail from the bar. But she heard it and she watched it. And then at the end of the show, I was kind of like, from doing a preview, but also just not knowing what my mum was going to say. And she came up to me and she was like, oh, pansexual, eh? And I was like, yes. But then it was kind of fine. Just like we didn't talk about it, but my mum was just kind of chill and loving. And I took some pictures with her. And then I went to Black Pride and I was like, wow, I've done it. This year, (laughs) we were talking about stuff that, As an adult, I've only recently started to talk to my mother about. She was like, oh, I wish you told me because, for instance, you never told me that you were queer. And I was like, no, mum, I I did tell you I was queer. I told you literally in a show and we spoke about it afterwards. And she was like, oh, I didn't know what pansexual meant. And I was like, I came out to you two years ago. I was just like, what? (laughs) Unbelievable. Yeah, denial isn't just a river in Egypt. I had to come out to my mum again this year. I think she understands now. Wow. (laughs) So even if you don't understand the word pansexual, the fact that I talk about having sex with women (laughs) during the show surely would give you a clue that I'm queer. (laughs) I think she sort of understood that there was something, but maybe was scared to look further into it. And so left it alone for a long time and was willfully ignorant about it. But when I did tell her this time, she was really wonderful about it. And she sent me a message because I was like, I have to go to a pride gig. I don't know how you haven't got this yet. (laughs) But um, she sent me a text being that she's like admires a lot of how I've had to go through lots of difficulties and trauma and worked really hard to heal myself and know who I am and that she'll always be there to support me. But I feel very lucky that I got a really affirming like confirmation of love and support from my mum after she finally understood that I'm queer. Hopefully in three years I won't be like, she didn't understand, she thought it was a joke. (laughs) Again. She thought it was a joke. The ongoing saga. Her favourite comedian is the straight woman Hannah Gadsby. She doesn't know that Hannah... (laughs) I hope that won't be happening in another two years, but yeah. I've been doing comedy for six years, I think, with a Panasonic in the middle. But I've been very lucky... (laughs) I've got like a great community in comedy that I feel very bolstered by because this is diva. I remember being at the 2018 Fringe, maybe a lot of people explicitly or implicitly telling me that I didn't deserve to be there or I wasn't good enough or I needed to work harder. And I found some friends in the people that make up the lol word primarily and some other queer comedians that really helped me relax into who I was on stage and who I wanted to be yeah a community of like queer women and non-binary people it's not been easy all the time but I think a combination of working stupidly hard being lucky and privileged and just like being permitted by the people around me to believe in myself has allowed me to be where I am now you talk about being in Edinburgh then. I remember you had the diva cover. Oh, yeah. I went specifically out on a hunt to find diva. I think I picked it up and hugged it to my chest. I think I had like a <laughs> little diva as a sort of comforter pillow. It was like a good moment. It's nice to have these, I don't know, amulets 
No, also, yeah, I read it. I do, I do realise it's a, a magazine. I wasn't just like, this is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it does. I also read it. But I think it's nice to have those like sort of talismans and reminders of, of community and of identity around you when you're doing something very difficult, which Edinburgh is, even though it's also very fun. What I'd really like to urge listeners to do, to find spaces that we can support and put money into so that people have actual physical spaces to go, shows to see, therapy to access, places that are providing a home for the community are places that are probably, at the moment, temporary or precariously placed. Go to your queer spaces, go to support your queer performers and, yeah, create safe physical spaces so that they don't disappear. So that was the amazing Sophie Duca talking about her triple threat minority, which I love. And how interesting that she thought she'd come out to her mother on stage, which is mind-blowing. And then a year later realizes that her mother actually didn't know what she was talking about and didn't understand. And that's a generational thing, again, as we're A generational thing, like what we were talking Mm. about. Our rainbow flag and the words of our rainbow flag are extending constantly and opening up more and more and more, which is amazing. But, you know, older generations are still kind of learning what they can say, what they can't say, what what these words Mm. mean. These guys led the way for us. So we, you know, we need to give them a little bit of... Slack. Yeah, slack. Slack, that's the word. I mean, how long ago was the first season of The L Word? I will tell you, it was 2000. Oh my, 2000. That's like 21 years ago. Is that possible? Oh Oh my my goodness. Right, let's just say, I just need to say... Rachel, you were in one of the most groundbreaking shows, if not the most groundbreaking show for lesbian, queer and bisexual women. So thank you for being in that. How do you feel about that? You know what? I, I, it's, as an actor, you go up for lots of stuff, right? You go up for yeah. a whole range of things. Half the time, you don't have control of your career, yeah. especially in the early days. You go up for stuff... And as long as it appeals to you on some level, you go for it. Yeah, because Helena Peabody was a massively complex character. Like yeah, she was, she yeah. was amazing. I loved playing that role. You know, it was yeah. the whole experience <laughs> to be thrown into it and suddenly become not a lesbian it, icon. Say it. Say the word. Say it. A <laughs> lesbian icon. Say I it. I certainly. I can't say that. Rachel Shelley. Say it, please say it for for the lesbian, queer, and bisexual and LGBTQI plus community. Say what you are. A lesbian icon. Say it louder. Say it with pride <laughs> and pr- be proud that you are because you were. Well, I am proud of it, but it just it seems like a very hyped up word. But anyway, yes, a lesbian icon. Yeah, that's what I am, <laughs> and I'm proud to be that. I'm very proud to be that. Own it, own it, Rachel Shelley, own it. <laughs> Well, anyway, it's very interesting to see how it's aged and dated. And again, in that article that Eleanor wrote, I think it's very funny because she wrote something about how she was laughing at the the wardrobe choices and how dated it was from that era. And it's so funny because I remember when we were making it, we would always say, are we going to look dated in 20 years' time? We were like, no. But it's funny. It is funny that a younger generation of queer LGBTQI plus women and non-binary people watch that show and claim it for their for themselves. They have a different response because obviously the gender politics have moved on so much, but they still claim it for themselves. It's like a rite of passage and Eleanor 
wrote about that very clearly. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting article in that respect. It will always be there as the first, mistakes and all. Another feature in the magazine is the interview with Victoria Scone. Which I love just the pun on that. Victoria's gone. I love the drag scene, but there is a fabulous interview with Victoria, um, who is obviously from RuPaul's Drag Race, um, being the first kind of cisgendered drag queen on the show. Massive, massive achievement. A cisgendered lesbian as well. So brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, so, so proud of her. It's so great for our community. massive round of applause to her and I hope she goes back in for another season I really do because she's fantastic and an amazing singer by the way let's just point that out doesn't need to lip sync she's amazing she's amazing yeah and it's interesting if you want to hear more their conversation is so much fun to listen to you can read it in the magazine and then you can listen in greater detail and I think that's coming out week four so in a couple of weeks time you can listen to the interview as well how brilliant is that We haven't even touched on the subject of Jack Munro on the cover. Let's talk about Jack Munro because how incredible do they look on the cover of Diva? They're they're incredible, but also so raw, so authentic, so inspirational. So deep. It's a hard read. It is a hard read. I was going to say. It's a hard read. It's truth. Authentic self, raw truth. And I love the fact that Diva has given... Jack Munro, this, whether you call it a platform or what you call it, in their own words. One of the things that Jack says in fuller interview with Roxy that you can hear next week on Pod Diva is how the media creates your story and how the media shapes you and, and creates this public story. And so to give them their own platform to say, in my own words, this is what happened, mm-hmm. is brilliant. I applaud Diva for doing that. Yeah. Half the stuff you read about people, in my experience, is wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes there's an agenda, as we know, and sometimes there isn't. Yeah. And if you want to hear more, then listen next week. Amazing interview with Roxy. I went along to the photo shoot. Lovely to see them working with Leslie and Rose, the photographers, and putting together this shoot, which was beautiful. Jack owns beautiful. that cover. It's an incredible cover. And listeners, if you haven't seen it, you've got to subscribe online, buy the magazine. I went along to this photo shoot and I made a little feature. Ooh. It's got some really nice little bits. Like, you, you're never going to get this up close and personal with Jack Monroe anywhere else. So let's have a little listen to that. September 8th, 2021 is just the last day, they say, of the late summer heat wave. Funny to think you won't hear this until the depths of winter, but here we are turning into a North London studio for the photo shoot for Diva Cover with none other than Jack Monroe. Hi, I'm Jack Monroe and I'm super excited to be on Pod Diva been a long time reader of Diva magazine ever since I was a little baby butch lesbian it seems like quite a long time ago now but I'm really really thrilled to be asked there are pictures of myself on the internet that I like but they are so far removed from who I am they don't look like me and although I've enjoyed those experiences, I've often come away from them feeling like, well, why aren't I enough as I am? 
Yeah. You get my little shark. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of tattoos. I was very drunk when I decided to get a shark tattooed on my hand. I have a shark. There was nothing on that day where I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just put that on and see what happens. Everything was like, oh my God, that's great. That's amazing. That's so me. That's so why we wear it. It's fantastic. Wow, can you hear Jack singing? Now let me see if I can get a bit closer. Hang on. Just working, just Album cover, there you go. There you go. <laughs> you could do, couldn't you? It's a backup plan. <laughs> Roxy, I need to just ask you, what exactly were you doing there? So I was doing a very important um, editor's job as part of producing a world-class photo shoot for Diva magazine, which is, I was on Titwatch. Titwatch. So explain, explain, <laughs> explain. <laughs> So Jack, our fabulous cover star, is wearing a lovely blazer and uh, no bra, which is a high-risk situation. So I was there, you know, preserving Jack's modesty and just making sure we're showing just the right amount of skin, just keeping it all lovely. So that was my very important responsibility there. (laughs) It's a strange job, isn't it? But it's good, it's good. And Jack is such a good model. Like They can do like this strong, sexy, sultry thing, and then they can do this like playful, full of character. Yeah, they can pull shapes, they're very good. The, The message there is you are enough as you are, we're just going to make it look like you slept yeah. a bit better. You can see that with all the cover lines there. And then Diva there. Like Jack, thank you for blooming rocking that cover. Did you like that one, Jack? Yeah. Thank yeah, you, yeah. It was a great team to work with. They made me feel good. And that shows. So that was a great morning going along to that photo shoot. And I really got to see behind the scenes of Diva and Roxy to be on tip patrol like that it was just hilarious. Tip, I mean tip patrol. I think that, <laughs> although to be fair, I have said that on set. I'm sure you have said that on set yes, as well. Yes, yeah. Going, you have to be on tip patrol or yeah. like side boob patrol or yeah. something. It's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. When I was on the L word, they, I had a clause in my contract. We used to say it sounded like a cocktail, the three second nipple shot. So you can't have a shot longer than three seconds. You had a three-second nipple shot? Brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's not a drink. I think that's a standard <laughs> thing, or it was. Did you have a three-second bum shot as well, or did you not? No one wanted to see my bum. No, no one wanted. That's not, I'm sure that's not true, Rachel. Did you get a stand-in bum at I all? don't think my bum ever featured. I'm trying to think. I... Did it? I can't think. Can't remember. Right, we all need to re-watch the L word to see <laughs> if Rachel's bum features. Please do... Send us a message if you find Rachel's bum. <laughs> I think it was always covered up, wrapped up gently in a little bit of lingerie. Wrapped up gently? <laughs> in a little bit of lingerie. I don't remember there being Wrapped bum. up gently. I love the hashtag wrapped up gently. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, how great. Jack Monroe looking absolutely fantastic. And as you'll hear if you listen next week, talking about how this particular shoot, they felt like... It was themselves. What I love about Jack, especially during the pandemic, is exposing the lack of food and funding towards free school meals. So I grew up and I had I, I had to have free school meals because I didn't have, my family didn't, you know, they couldn't afford it. So I understand that feeling and it, and it angered me seeing these photographs of these free school meals that just 
were like half a tomato to feed a child and a bag of rice in a money bag to, to, to feed a child for, for a week. It's just... And they exposed that and they went on the BBC. They called the government out. I think Jack is an inspiration. I really do. And Absolutely. It's so personal. It's so away from the political side of Jack. It's so away from the cookbook side of Jack, the celebrity side of Jack. It's Jack and it's Jack raw. Yeah, read the article. It's It really is. I have so much admiration for Jack Monroe. Yeah. Like I say, you can hear a fuller interview with Jack and Roxy, our editor. The week after that, it will be Shah Bailey and Victoria Broom doing Deeper Diva, where they take a deeper dive in some of the hottest topics in the LGBTQI plus community. But for now, Diva listeners, thank you for joining us on this inaugural episode of Pod Woo-hoo. Diva. Woo-hoo. You and I have gone places, Rachel. Yeah, we have. Really important is we want to hear from the listeners we want to hear from you we want your authentic stories your stories of growing up around the world we want international voices because i do feel that as a queer person we're very lucky in this country to be able to marry to be able to love who we love but some countries that isn't always the case and i we we need to talk about it we want to hear from you wherever you are in the world whether you're from san francisco or somewhere maybe where your lgbtqi experience is not so open we want to share stories we want to make everyone feel a part of this diva community yeah we want you to know that you have a community here with us We don't have to mention your name because it's so important that as a community, we all have our stories heard. And that's what Pod Diva is here for, to hear everybody's stories. Get in touch, drop us an email, write us something or send us a voice note and we can talk about it. Until next time. Thanks for listening. I'm Rachel Shelley. And I'm Victoria Broom for Pod Diva. Pod Diva. Thank you for listening to Pod Diva in association with Diva Magazine, the world's leading brand for LGBTQI plus women and non-binary people. Please listen and subscribe on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Diva Magazine. You can email us at editorial at divamag.co.uk. Pod Diva. Queers for your ears. Pod Diva. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.